The following program contains naughty bits. But before each naughty bit comes on the screen, you'll hear this warning sound. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another episode of 42 to Doomsday. I'm Richard. And I'm Dave. And we want to start by saying there's been a few changes around here. Now, tonight we've just been watching a very weak, slightly rushed episode set on Gallifrey that needed another go in the script. That was The Invasion of Time. We'll also be talking tonight about Season 9. But wasn't The Invasion of Time great? I think you can actually see the moment where Graham William loses control of the series. Just like watching Season 9, you can see Stephen Moffat also lose control. Tonight, we're going to start our discussion 42 to Doomsday with a look at Season 9. But first of all, we've got a couple of special guests along. We'd like to introduce our friends Rob. Hello. <laughs> and Mark. Hi. How are you? Welcome aboard, guys. Thanks for coming <laughs> along this evening. Where's the microphone? <laughs> We're pleased that you've sworn allegiance to the new regime. Viva all fans and new overlords. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This uh, episode tonight is our staff Christmas party, the first of hopefully many. Uh, we let Richard and Dave do the intro. Thanks, guys. Probably won't be happening again. And like other Christmas parties we go to at work, we've had a couple of drinks, so who knows what's going to happen tonight. Uh, series 9 has concluded. Not before time. Oh, Ooh, that was a pun. <laughs> get in, get in early. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts, guys? Well, I've actually got a confession to make. You haven't watched any of it? No, I have actually watched the last three episodes. Oh, bloody hell. I was actually expecting a bit more than that, but (laughs) all right. (laughs) What what made you do that? What made you break the duck? (laughs) I I think our teasing, probably. Uh, No, no. I I did think, look, for a while there, it was going to be my sort of my shtick, if you like, (laughs) that I hadn't watched any of it. But I sort of thought, well, look, you guys are all talking about it, and if I came on here tonight... I'd probably just either have to sit in the corner for a bit while he talked about season nine if I hadn't watched anything. And I thought, I'm probably never going to watch them otherwise, so what the hell? And So we've had a, a positive impact on your life, or maybe a negative? Uh, I watched them. <laughs> okay. A neutral effect on your life. <laughs> the last time we got together, we'd just seen to the end of... Um Episode 5. Well, well you'd seen oh, to the, the end girl of episode who, five. The girl who waited to act. Now that I've seen the whole lot, I actually feel much better about the season overall than I did seven weeks ago. I really quite liked the Raven episode, although there's stuff we can talk about. Um, the episode 11, which is Heaven Sent. Yep, I thought that was easily the best of the season. Mm. Possibly the best that Capaldi's done. Very possibly the best of the whole Moffat era, if I'm honest. Mm. I really, really enjoyed wow. it. Um, That's a big call. No, it's not really, because there's not a lot in there. What, what, what's going to beat it? What's going to beat it as the best episode of the Moffat era? Oh. Vincent and the Doctor. Maybe. That would be the one that would, for listen. me... You know, yeah, look, listen, listen and Vince of the Doctor would be the, the others that I think would be up there. Yeah. But, but in terms of pure acting... Yeah. Capaldi elevates... Just a tour de force of... Mm. Punching you know. through Diamond. He kept punching. <laughs> he kept punching. <laughs> <laughs> Although I thought that season eight was more consistent, there was a really good run of episodes in the middle I enjoyed... Season 9 had a couple of really good episodes towards the end. It had none that I've hated, which is up on Series 8, because, well, we all know Death in Heaven was the worst episode ever. I'm feeling a lot more positive than I was seven weeks ago. I I still have a few comments to make, and I'm sure we'll get to them, but 
yeah, I'm I'm not an unhappy Doctor Who fan. Maybe I've spent the last 12 weeks stewing in my rage too much, but I, regardless of the last few weeks, which have been a vast improvement on the direct that we were given, you know, for the first couple of months, I think that this year has been a subpar year, and probably the most subpar year for about three or four years. As you said, the first five or six episodes that we'd seen before, I thought that they were, by and large, not very good. What about the Under the Lake? Because I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Visually, it's a, it, it's a, it's a very good-looking episode, and, but it, it, it's just another base under siege. They don't try to do anything particularly different with it, in my opinion. I, I just think that having come off the really disappointing two episodes to start the series off, that my enjoyment of it was affected by that. The, the base under siege stories I, I usually really react very positively to, but uh, Under the Lake and Before the, the Flood, um, or vice versa, didn't really hit it for me, unfortunately. You see, I really enjoyed both of them. Um, I didn't mind the um, the Black Adder episode. Um, you know, along with the Highwayman and the girl oh, pretending yes. to be Miranda yeah, Richardson. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I really enjoyed Raven and um, the one in the castle. What about the Zygon two-parter? The Zygon two-parter, I've got quite a rant prepared about that, so... <laughs> Richard, you, oh, sorry. did you have any thoughts on your three episodes that you'd seen? I did. Um, there's something I watched, basically. No, look, they're... Um... Are they good Doctor Who? No. Are they, uh, all right. No, no, okay, no, I'll, I'll, I'll qualify. You don't think they're good Doctor Who? Are they a good example of a TV show in the same vein that a lot of television is made today? Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a bit of a loaded well, question. Well, but well look, if, I, if I've called episode 11 the best of the Moffat era, did you enjoy it a bit? Um, look, I didn't think they were bad. The, I mean, look, I haven't watched the whole middle part of the season. So if there's stuff in there that maybe there's, would have there's, there's tempered, tempered my enjoyment no, of those, not. I mean, look, I can't really add to the Maisie Williams discussion because I didn't watch the first two episodes she was in. That's all right. Just look at the table. Yeah, I know. I, I saw that comment too. So <laughs> three three types of acting was would, would take involved. <laughs> but uh, no, look, the Face the Raven, the payoff was okay in that, okay, it was all a big trap. The running around bit at the start, I must admit, just left me a bit flat. The whole Clara dying thing. Look, I thought it was actually good that she was killed by her own arrogance. I actually thought that was a really neat touch. And I was, at the end of it, hoping, look, she's actually going to actually die. That it's not going to be a a reset or there's going to be a a big sweeping, you know, where she's saved at the final moment. The rest of it, it was entertaining. I wouldn't say I thought it was an awesome episode. Um... I, I was quite surprised, and I'll be interested to hear what you guys thought about the whole death in death in Raven, because <laughs> I think it's a death in heaven. No, no, no. We've no, already no, gone no. over that enough. I, look, as you know, I'm not a fan of Clara, and the, the comments I've been hearing on other podcasts about, oh, in that first 15 minutes, look at how cocky and annoying she's become. I'm like, she's the same character she's been for the last three years, and Amy was basically the same character as that for two years before. We've had this annoying super female arrogant companion for five bloody years but well, for ten years I, really. I suppose I mean, you could Rose... say well and, and indeed Rose again and, and there there really was no payoff for that at all because my point is even though I have no love of the character of Clara look I didn't well up remotely during the death but I was still you know I bought it I, I was you know caught up in the moment and, and, I, and I look it was good moment. that she basically just did the look just leave me alone, I've done this, and I'm going to go out and face face what I've wrought upon myself. Yes, she did very, very well. Capaldi acted what the script asked him to do extremely well. I don't buy that the Doctor, on hearing his companion's about to die, just goes, oh, 
Okay, then. So, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> like, you compare that to, you know, you look at Earthshock, the Doctor knows Adric's about to die, and he's, I must, you know, I must save yes. Adric, you know, to the point of ignoring the Cyberman that comes rampaging into the console room. He was bullshitting. I know you're being cynical, Mark. <laughs> what? Cynical? Come <laughs> it's on. That, that, that classic Aussie sense of humour. <laughs> but you compare the Doctor's action then, yes, or the Doctor, you know, desperately trying to find a way to save Katarina, all of that to just standing there and going, oh, well, I guess there's nothing I can do then. You know, I've read the end of the script, you're actually dying, I'll just stand here. I, I, I didn't buy that part of it. But he did try and resolve the situation in yeah, but we're this morning's get, we're, episode. We're, we're getting to that. Probably. But isn't that symptomatic of what's wrong with Moffat's approach to Doctor Who, where the Doctor is, you know, a, almost a passive or secondary figure to the companion? He, he's a guest in the companion story. Yes. Which, yes. you know, it, it, the, the show's raison d'etre is in the title. You know? it, it, and, it is. And, and, I, and is that a segue into this morning's episode where... We suddenly get to Gallifrey, and it's got nothing to do with the Doctor or Gallifrey. It's all about Clara. It's all about Clara. The Doctor yeah. punches off Diamond Mountain for four billion years. Yeah, that was my to next. save Clara. It, I it, mean, seriously, what the fuck? But, but in in fairness, far be it for me to defend Moffat. The Doctor didn't actually do it himself for four billion years. He only experienced, you know, no. the, the the I don't know whether it was eight Ra- days or eight weeks. Day. In his mind. He's actually only had whatever one of those loops was, whether it was eight days no, or eight weeks. So true. he actually didn't experience four billion years. So that that was a bit of an emotional cheat, I thought. Mm. But, but then mean, again, at the end, he did know he'd been in there four billion years because he did the... He knows that in the same way that I know that dinosaurs existed 65 million years ago. I know that that has happened. I didn't experience those mm. 65 million years. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Do we want to ask Mark what he thinks? No. Talking about being guests in your own show, Mark. No, that's all right. No, well, <laughs> stop checking right. the levels and say something. <laughs> no, that's all right, Richard, you keep going. And I'll oh, no, no, no. I mean, look, then we moved on from, from sort of Doctor Who's answer to Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> well, it is with the whole hidden, yeah, yeah, hidden yeah. society it, it, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, but it, well, if, if Who can rip off, um, you know, the prisoner of Zender, it can rip off Harry Potter. Yeah, of course, I have it, no of, of course it can. One in the car, Heaven Sender, whatever it was. That Look, that was the best of the three I watched. I thought Capaldi was awesome. I really did. I thought he was really, really good. There wasn't really much of a story to it. Uh, I mean, there was and there wasn't. But, I mean, you get the... I don't know, that, that's a it's, contradiction. It's, it's but, like a Scorsese film. You walk out of it, and okay, the plot wasn't much, but wow, that was a good piece of Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and look, at the end of it, the, the final, in the last ten minutes, it, it obviously ties up all the loose ends. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, he probably could have saved himself some time if he'd hit the diamond wall with the <laughs> shovel. But uh, <laughs> instead of punching it with his fist. Yeah, well, that's right. the thing. But, you know, even if he, but I mean, let's face it, punching a solid diamond wall with your fist for, for four billion, but... It sounds like doing well, a podcast. i the show that can sit. <laughs> yeah, yeah I just, that's right. Oh, no, no, no. Look, I thought it was a very clever setup. I thought it did what it had to do. I probably didn't really buy into the hole at the end, but... And then we got into this morning's one, and that just really felt kind of flat for me. I don't think it had really much of it. Wasn't really, as you said, it wasn't really about the Doctor. It wasn't really about an exciting adventure. It wasn't about anything other than him. I mean, look, you could say there was the whole payoff thing about he realizes, you know, that he's basically just turned his entire world upside down and, and throwing logic and everything. He is out the window to try and save Clara, and for that point, you would say why her, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And then the ending where, you know, she and Maisie Williams jet off in their own TARDIS and, you know, she's immortal now because she's got the space between two heartbeats and they can go the long way around and she can do whatever she wants basically until she decides to. It was just, 
Yeah, okay. I, I was really engaged by the first half. I was sitting there going, okay, what, what, what is the Doctor's plan? Where's this all going? What's going to happen? I was really, you know, really trying to work out what the twists and turns were going to be. And then they did the big, the extraction with Clara, and I was just, oh, so... Well, see, back then again, see, I, I was sitting there watching that thinking, because initially there I thought she's just going to go, the look, just piss off and just let me go back and die. I don't want you to do any of this crap for me. I'm just going to walk back through the door. And that would have been really And, and, and the, the, the bird's going to stab me or whatever, yeah. but or peck me to death or whatever it is it does. But um, With a beak that was sharpened on a diamond mountain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and in some ways that would have been a really good ending. Actually, if she'd have just done the, look, I chose this, look, I don't want you to, you know, screw yourself up over me, just... just piss off and just let me die but that's the annoying thing after ranting about you know having the courage of her convictions she doesn't you know I'm prepared to mm. die I'm prepared to go back into my time stream and die and then I'll like Moffat well we'll just do this and you can do this uh, and, and now I've existence. got all the time and space to explore because I'm effectively immortal yes so and, and she's actually, got... is she the first Doctor equivalent or um, yes really? Oh, yeah. really and Maisie is the Susan, Susan. <sighs> Yeah, yeah no, Car- I know. I sort of sighed when I thought that on. too. I know. Car- Caroline In- Ford can act though. <laughs> the plank that died. <laughs> can, I, can, I just, <laughs> can I just bring up one? I don't know whether you call it a plot hole or an issue, or whatever. That, that, that that's been bugging me. So the doctor put basically an advanced first aid kit into a shielder, and because it was a first aid kit designed for a more advanced alien, it doesn't just give her first aid. It actually rejuvenates her, keeps her alive, keeps her body functions going. That doesn't make you immortal, though. Like, if she got blown to smithereens, a first aid kit doesn't fix you. No, as Babylon 5 tells us, one day you will simply stop. stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just thought that, you know, if, if the, well, well, the, the the scary fish beasts, um, the Merkers, the Myers. The Myers. No, the Merkers as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the Myers. No, we're not getting out of that. Um, fish people. <laughs> if, if, you know, if the Myers first aid technology is so good that it can keep a human being alive to the end of the universe how are they ever defeated that's a good point so i just i just thought that the plot device of the the first aid kit yeah i get how it keeps her alive for hundreds of years but surely at some point there's something that knocks her out unless unless she's just been living in a you know security bubble for a few billion years she's very 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 careful or or maybe maybe she just Actually, didn't live through all that, and she just fast-forwarded to the restaurant at the end of the universe. Well, she'll just live forever, barring accidents. So. Mm. Well, that's true. <laughs> Very clever. Very clever. Her time and uh, relative diner in space. Apparently, <laughs> that's trending, uh, Mark. It's trending. It's copyright moi. Uh, now, Mark, what did you think? Thoughts? Look, I went in with zero expectations. And they and, were met. <laughs> no, 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 actually. Look, anything's going to be better than death in heaven. And it was. Everything is better than definitely. I know. So I'm always nervous about uh, end of season finales. I I did find it very strange that Rassilon, the greatest living Time Lord, um, was basically told to catch the 736 bus out of there to wherever. Last train train to train central. Exactly. Well, at least a a coup that Capaldi planned uh, came off. Ooh. Well, God. Um, does, does that make Capaldi the Malcolm Turnbull of Gallifreyan politics? I, you know I can't comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Malcolm, if you're listening. We love the leader. Yeah. But look at the whole of Series 9 in its totality, though. It reminds me a lot of Series 3, where, for me, it really didn't pick up. It sort of 
had a couple of heartbeats, i.e. the Dalek opener was a waste of time, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. The flood episodes, I thought, were actually quite good. Mm -hmm. The girl who waited to act and waited for the plot to start actually doing something. They were boring. They were boring. boring. Uh, The Saigon two-parter, I wasn't particularly impressed with the first part. The second part was good. And The Raven, uh, Heaven Sent, I thought was absolutely brilliant. And this one... I thought was okay. So yeah, it it's sort okay. of a fairly good run towards the end. Um, right towards the end. Yeah, right towards the end. I went into this thinking that Moffat's ability to stick the landing of a finale is you know, just as good as you know, a quadriplegic juggling. I mean, it just doesn't happen really. We, we've seen that. But I was pleasantly surprised about, well, for, for you know, about half its length. And then it all became just, uh, you know, emotions and feelings and the Doctor wanting to save Clara. Again. Yeah, but I will say, I think that Stephen Moffat knows exactly what fans like us like and don't like. And I made the comment back when we saw Day of the Doctor, that very clearly he knows how to write stuff that old fans are going to go, that's a really nice moment. There were lots of those little tidbits in there. But he also knows how to write the stuff which is giving the, the finger to the... Uh... Absolutely. And, and, and therefore, if he, if he knows how to do them, then when he chooses to give the finger to them, he clearly is choosing to do that. And I thought you could see that through this script. There were moments there like the old console room, the bit where Capaldi quoted Terence Dix, you know, never cowardly and never cruel. Mm. You know, there were just like, nice little moments for old fans like us, but there were also a few moments of... Um, where I could, see, I could just imagine Moffat typing that out going, I can't wait till the internet sees this because they're just going to go nuts. Mm. You know, no, like, exactly. like the reference to Susan, the Time Lord changing gender in the regeneration. They were clearly, I, I thought moments just there just to stir the, stir the pot a bit. But he laced them with some other very nice moments. And, and I think we were all saying before we started that the, seeing the original console room in all its high definition glory was you know, kind of cool. Did anyone notice that when Capaldi lost his memory and, and collapsed, that the pose and the shot is exactly the same as Hartnell's regeneration? No, because I haven't seen Planet Part 4 yet. Oh. Okay. <laughs> 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 I'll be discussion later, people. I'll have to take your word for that. Yeah, it, uh, it struck me that um, that was... Inte- so, oh, I thought you were actually going to put the poop with, with one leg in the air. <laughs> the bent knee. That, uh, that said, in fairness, I didn't see that twist coming. That mm. I, I actually didn't see that coming, so that was a bit of a oh, that's that's quite clever moment. So, but in a sense, if you want to be negative, it's again uh, Moffat rehashing something that he's done before. Look, Moffat is clearly of the view that Capel, sorry, that Clara is the best, most wonderful person in the entire history of everything. Mm. And if you're someone who buys into that vision, I imagine this would have been a wonderful end to her story. If you're someone who doesn't buy into that vision, then me. And mm. we, we, we don't, yep. so we're more mad. I, did, I didn't dislike it at all. I Look, I watched it right through. I wasn't looking at my watch. I was enjoying it for the most part. Um, I let a few little lines just sort of go through to the keeper. Yep. It was a good story. Um, I don't buy into Clara, so that it didn't resonate for me, mm. as I'm sure it would for someone who does. I think her death is cheapened because I keep bringing her back. You're right. She could have been on a list of four. Um, Katarina, Sarah Kingdom, Adric, Clara. Now she's on a list with Perry as the companion that could have had an awesome ride out mm. and it was all undone. Yeah. I would have thought it would be better to have the character on that first list. You know, really, if you want your character to be iconic, make her one of the four in 50-something years of who that's actually killed. Yeah. Now she's on the list of cop-out kills with Perry. 
So you know, at least there wasn't a sort of a rosy glow around her. No, but and it, Brian blessed in fact. Well, well, it does. <laughs> it, 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 it does well, that, that does make a, um, a shield of the um, the Akanos equivalent. So, <laughs> who has got the worst companion to be written out with? Uh, actually, on that point, I thought Maisie Williams was a bit better this episode. Well, she only had three lines. I know, I know, but I thought she was a bit better. There was a bit more, uh, you know, movement, <laughs> life, <laughs> the, the plank that lived. But you know, anyway. I thought she was a little bit better. I might read a tweet out uh, from Bernard JKD. Hello, Bernard. He says, A bit meh. Went downhill after the standoff. Token interracial casting. The sex change. Sad Moffat. And Nation's Estate Payment. What was that last bit? Nation's Estate Payment. There was a Dalek there. Payment so was a Dalek. Dalek. Was a Dalek. Dalek. Weeping Angels. Yes, I did say that. Um, thank God comedy's on time. The Dalek that wanted someone to kill it. I mean, yeah. seriously. What's going on? Mm. I mean, is well, this Doctor right. Who? Really? Right. Is yeah. it? Mm. I don't know. I think... <laughs> no. What about the... Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about the uh, regeneration of that general. What was his name? The Castellan. Was it the Castellan? It's supposed to be the Castellan. Oh, no, no, he's a general. He's a general. He's, general. he's a general of the Gallifreyan Armed Forces. Which, isn't that the Castellan's role? Uh, the, head of the, the, type, the, head of the, the head of the security. Let's go with that. I just assumed it was a Castellan. Maybe they could have got no. Milton Johns back. He finally. <laughs> Wears a cloak very well, John's. <laughs> As we just said. Yeah, that that was that was. Sorry, that we as I said, we we have just watched uh, Invasion of, of Time, time coming mm. into this, and that 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 was very strange. Comments well, on the regeneration? Ah, uh, look, it's just bo- box ticking, isn't it? No, no. There are, there are two possibilities. Um, I feel like Harry Hoon out. Two possibilities <laughs> <laughs> for all those old get smart fans. Yes. Um, what the what the, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's another box ticking. <laughs> Now, there are either two possibilities. Either, one, uh, you take it at face value, Moffat is setting it up to do that to the Doctor, mm. or two, he just wants to stir everybody by making us think that he's setting it up the, to do yeah, that to I the think Doctor. it's the latter. I think it's the latter. Like you said before, he has, he's at the typewriter, he's at the computer. Mm. <laughs> F you, classic series fans. And <laughs> yep. If you love me, so you're going to love this. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway. yeah, but, and, and but, but it was it wasn't integral to the plot, so I just let it happen. I said, "Okay, good on you, Moffat. You're having a poke. Move on." You've got mail. Speaking of Maisie Williams, we might get Dave to read out a letter from uh, our very good friend Doc Hoon. Uh, Dave regularly complains that we rush through people's letters, so Dave, take it away. Gentlemen, last week Rob said. Maisie Williams isn't acting very well because she's very young and because she only has a few minutes each week on Game of Thrones. She's very inexperienced. So back off. She's learning as she goes. The answer is not to back off. The answer is not to cast her in Doctor Who role requiring her to play three different versions of a complex character over a full quarter of a series. It's the fault of the casting, not the actress. And it's no reason not to criticise. I'm not adverse to Doctor Who being used to showcase exciting new talent. Even exciting raw new talent, which I don't think Maisie Williams is by a long chalk. But the last person who needs a helping hand up the career ladder is someone who's already has a permanent part in one of the biggest TV shows on the planet right now. And I don't buy the Brad Pitt argument that she needs to get out there and get her experience acting alongside the greats. A couple of Game of Thrones seasons ago, she had half a season alongside Charles Dance. There's no dearth of top acting talent in Game of Thrones to rub off on her. Just think of all the young actors out there who genuinely are exciting, 
new talent needing experience alongside the best actors, a la Brad Pitt, but who are desperate for the chance, which may never come because they aren't a name in a big show already. I'm not even adverse to casting Game of Thrones actors in the hope that they'll attract some Game of Thrones audience to Doctor Who. Just cast the good ones. Signed, Doc Who. Who spent one of his recent podcasts bagging the living bejesus out of Macy Williams. I had one crack at her in a letter and he called me harsh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Doc. Uh, thoughts on that? I completely agree. I, I, I sent the, the, the email around to you guys when we'd seen her in a couple of episodes and said, is, is this new Who's Beryl Reed moment? Mm-hmm. In that she's um, an actress with an allegedly high profile. Now, I, I haven't watched more than a couple of episodes of Game of Thrones. I've seen I, Claudius, so I don't need to see Game of Thrones. I have no idea who this actress is. I couldn't pick her from a bar of badly acting soap. And I don't see why she was cast in that role. It makes no sense to me, other than if it was purely to getting people watching who are Game of Thrones actors. It's the Kylie effect in that Christmas special. Yes, but at least Kylie was in a Christmas special, which he kind of, you know... It was disposable. Yeah, and, mm. and, you know, Christmas specials, we've all learned that you just... You, you, you suspend your disbelief even to the, further. even further with the Christmas episode. And you're going to love it live this year. I'm going to see Doctor Who live for the first time ever this Christmas. It'll be my special Christmas present. <laughs> and uh, it's got uh, River Song in it. So. Uh, and it's no. called The Husbands of River Song. Brilliant. Yeah. I know. Multi Doctor story. <laughs> More laughter from Moffat as you did that time. I thought uh, today when uh, he comes out the TARDIS and he goes, oh, it's Clara goes, who are you going to see? And he goes, me. And I thought, oh my God, it's McGann. <laughs> <laughs> Please let it be you know? Paul McGann. And the Mondasian Sidemen didn't turn up like no, they're supposed to. No, no, no. no, 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 no. That was a bum was steer. Like a, mm. We can consign that to the same bin that the Omni rumor has been. <laughs> <laughs> but, look, but look, to bring it back to the point. If you're going to make a character absolutely pivotal to the season, then you need to have a very good one. She didn't deliver. And it's very easy to make fun of her, but she was a key character. And she was bad. Like, she just was bad. I've, I've yet to hear anyone defend her on any of the four or five podcasts that we listen to between us. I don't think I've heard anyone defend her. JR defends everything, doesn't he? I, I think JR had a diplomatic <laughs> silence on that one. Did he? Took the fifth? <laughs> I played the fifth, Your Honour. So, Dave, I just want to come back to the point you made regarding the Saigon invasion and inversion. You've got some detailed notes there. I can't read them, so I'm going to get you to speak. You to read them. To, you to read them. Okay, so I've got a couple of points here that have really been fermenting in my mind for a few weeks now. If you're going to do political allegory, then you need to expect that people are going to analyse that and look for the meaning and then question the meaning. Clearly the Zygon story was trying to talk about a story about refugees, cultural integration and use the Zygons as an ISIS um, comparison. Now, in my mind, the two things you need for an ISIS type situation or a a radicalised terrorist type situation are a sense of alienation and somebody evil to focus that and, and use it for evil purposes. So the way that you don't do that is if you look at Australia, we're a very multicultural society, which means that you can be a proud Australian, but also acknowledge and respect your own heritage. Whether you're the um, Italian and Greek immigrants of the 40s and 50s, the Vietnamese that come over in the 70s, or whatever, you can, you can be Australian and also identify with your previous culture and have your own religion, your own food, your own history, and we all share that. 
And the Welsh in the 80s. That's right. All those great Welsh restaurants that we love to go to. <laughs> the rare bits to die for. It's added so much to our culture. Yeah, <laughs> um, but, 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 you know, you, know, you yeah. look at all these things, and Australia's humour and its culture and its thing... It's, it's, a, it's it, a melting pot. It's that melting pot. Yeah. It's a cliche, but it yeah. is. Yeah. The way that you encourage terrorism or you fail to do that is you try to integrate and slap out the sense of identity. Mm. So you tell people you know you ban the type of clothes they want to wear you ban their religion you ban that you make them all try and be like in inverted commas us so i find it very surprising that a doctor who story about refugees is saying not only do they have to give up their zygon culture and their zygon identity they physically have to change themselves to look like us and to be like us i mean that is that is just for the doctor's solution to be setting up integration rather than multiculturalism to me is a really big missed opportunity but what you could have done out of that story is actually tell a story about um, alienation and you know what's it, what it's like to be the only Zygon in the class for which you read, be the only Muslim in the class or be the only gay kid in the class or be the only disabled kid in the class. And then you look at the line that Capaldi had where he's talking to those two kids creepily in the, in the playing ground at the start where he says, I know you, you're blobby. I, I recognise your blobbiness. Put those lines into the mouth of a schoolyard bully or a far-right dickhead in the pub saying, oh, look at you, you're blobby. And suddenly that's a very racist sort of word. So you could take that phrase, take that alienation, and actually teach a lesson about how you shouldn't be integrating. Everyone's entitled to their own sense of culture. And I just thought that the plot completely was in the wrong direction on that. And then to add on top of that, I contrast uh, the speech that Ian gives in part five of the Daleks that there are some freedoms worth fighting for with Capaldi's now infamous just sit down and talk speech. Well, you tell me what phone number we get the ISIS ambassador on to sit down and talk about what compromises we can make with a group of people that torture, execute, maim, persecute women, persecute women. How do you not, how do you talk with them? So I just thought the lessons in this story were so completely wrong that I was I was blown away by how a clearly well-intentioned production team got it so wrong. To, to, to say the answer to refugees is they all have to pretend to be middle-class white English people, I, I, I don't get what they were thinking. I really don't. I've, I've not watched them, but is that... No, no, no. But you're allowed an opinion. So. Yeah, no, I, what I was going to say was, I can't comment on, on having watched them, but given the safe or fairly safe nature of the series and TV in general, that sort of storyline would be probably too far for them to go, too realistic. Then, then don't go down an ISIS allegory. No, do 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 it. Rip off invasion of the body snatchers, for instance. You could, yeah, you could you do could, it. You could do it that way and not have the message. Yes. Or you actually say, and you make it a message about tolerance, which is what Doctor Who should be doing. You know, Doctor Who should be saying it doesn't matter if you are a blobby Zygon, you're still a creature in the universe, equal. We're all, you know, we're all just creatures. It doesn't matter what you look like, you're still welcome to be part of it. Why do Zygons have to pretend to be human to blend in? Other than the fact that it's saying that we're all just a pack of bastards, and the Doctor is too. I mean, when you put it like that, it is deeply problematic. Mm. Yeah, I, I was, I was staggered mm. by the way they took that, and clearly they meant it well. Like clearly they're trying mm. to do good things. I'm not attacking them in that sense mm. I just think that somewhere in the good intentions they actually completely missed what they were doing 
And no one seems to be disagreeing. Oh, with you. No, all gone very quiet. All no, of a sudden. I mean the, the, no. the part of the, the the overall story that I objected to the most was your second the second part of what you said about yeah. who do we ring up, who do we discuss this with. At the end of the day, this is not a discussion that you can have with no. ISIS effectively. So what do you do? No, and that and that's where the, you know I come back to that Ian speech in the Daleks. Ian is not saying that the Thals take up arms and become a warrior race yourself like the Daleks, but he's saying that confronted with the Daleks. Pacifism will not work. And if you're ever going to fight for anything, fighting the Daleks is a pretty good you know, line to draw. And I think that's what we're saying about ISIS. If, you, if you're going to fight for anything, fighting ISIS is something to do that. And it, it, it's interesting to see how, not so much the show, but popular culture has changed over 50 years. You look at 1963, they've come out of World War II, and the idea that fascism has to be fought is a kind you know, it's a pretty obvious notion of the Daleks embody that fascism whereas now warfare is far more ambiguous we haven't had to do that sort of thing in a direct way since World War Two. so the moral lines are blurred and, and, and yep yeah, I'm happy to have that debate in the same way that the Green Death just says unfettered corporate pollution needs to be looked at it doesn't actually suggest we all go around blowing up every global chemicals store in the world it just says don't take your eye off that ball and this was, I guess, also saying, don't take your eye off that ball. But it was doing it in such a oblique manner that I thought it actually undersold itself. Hmm. All fair points. Good Christmas party discussion, that. Yeah, that's dragged the tone right <laughs> down, hasn't it? We need... <laughs> no, and, 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 and look, I, I, I don't like, you know, I, I respect the Doctor Who's a TV show. Hmm. But if you're going to put a great big sign on the front of the episode that basically says, this is the production team's message and this is an allegory, then you need to expect that allegory to be looked at. Do you think that this series, Series 9, took an, anti, you know, an anti-war perspective? That you've got soldiers in the Zygon episode who are directly disregarding the order, orders of an officer. That in the finale, you've got soldiers directly disobeying an order from their leader, effectively. Well, well add to that all of the uh, stuff with Danny in Season 8 where the doctor's going on about, you're a soldier, I don't respect soldiers. There's a very anti-serviceman element coming through Moffat's era, uh, which I've never seen in the show before, but it, it, is, it is there. And you're right, the soldiers in Zygon, the Zygon two-parter, were depicted as raving idiots. I mean, they deserve to die, effectively. They, they I mean, if, if... It was just bonkers. Like, okay, I got that the one soldier who was seeing his mother couldn't pull the trigger. I, I get that. But... She's not the mother of the other six soldiers in the team. Mm. So you would have thought one of them would have shot her and certainly wouldn't have walked into the church after her. It was just mind-blowingly stupid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it comes from perhaps a, a genuine hatred or dislike of the military. Yes. So we've dragged it down even further. Well, we have. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty heavy. We need something to lighten the mood. Okay. Has Stephen Moffat burned out of steam? Richard. Ooh. I don't know. No, well, out of steam, I don't know. I mean, I, I was going to go back to the point about that the uh, the series, the classic series, being now probably being a, a millstone or a, a, an embarrassment or a, a whatever, an unwanted element for the new series team. And I, I actually think there is some there there is some truth to that because I, I have the impression, or maybe I'm a bit out of touch with fandom, but I have the impression when when the series came back. Um, and, and initially, having the old series, of course, gave you an immediate audience. 
and and plus, look, it was cool a couple of years ago to be able to say we're celebrating fifty years of of this long running sci fi series, and and plus you've got fifty years worth of continuity you can draw on, and lots of press releases and media events, and yes. merchandise to release, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, so you have that. Plus, as I said, you've got fifty years of continuity you can draw storylines and that from if you want to, you know, excite people about all oh, they bring back the Ice Warriors, but. You're now at a point where the new series has been around for what? This is its 11th year. Mm. So it's generated its own continuity and its own... Mythos. Mythos is a good word, or, and, and simply its own identity. Plus, of course, your, your classic series is... It's, it's old, it's dated in a lot of cases, it's embarrassingly cheap at times... We were just watching the invasion of the time. <laughs> we, we were, and, and, I, and I think probably also tellingly, um, the classic series, as I said, it gave you a ready-made audience, but it also comes with an obsessive coterie of, of old fanboys mm. who really do nothing but deride what they have seen over the last 10 years as a general rule. And I, I, I do get the impression we're now probably at the point where I think if they could just cut the old series loose, they probably would. I, I don't know, look, I could be wrong in that, but I just think because the new series now, as I said, it's forged enough of its own identity that it probably doesn't need the, the 26 seasons that we had years ago to an extent. It's interesting to look at that compared to my own relationship with the series. I can remember when the series first started, I you know, Rose was a good start, then the next two episodes, they were okay, then it had the two-part Slovene episode. At the end of that, I was kind of ready to jump. Not in a nasty way or no, a lot of like, But just, a, oh, look, they're clearly going for a really different audience and good luck to them, but it's not for me. Then they showed Dalek and the rest of season one, and I, I, I bought in. But, but you can probably argue Eccleston, to an extent, really is a forgotten era of the show as well now. I mean, they don't really... I mean, look, okay, he didn't want to be in the 50th anniversary and he has had really very little to do with the show since. But... They don't really ever reference that year. Doctor Who Festival particularly did not reference them at all. Like the promotional material I was given, uh, the programs and that. It's only doctors they're referencing on the cover was, or inside was was Smith, Tennant and... Capaldi. On that point, um, the BBC have curated a number of episodes that people can view online Mm. as an introduction to the series. Mm. And if you look at the promotional, the poster for it, Eccleston has been relegated to... Uh, the classic series Doctors where it's oh, wow. just a headshot oh really So, and then it's Tennant, Smith the, the big three the, yeah. the, the, the big three yeah which you know we, we've said Tennant is when it really hit that mainstream success and got in with uh, the, the, the BuzzFeed crowd and the, the, the younger crowd so I, I get that um, in fact I've often wondered how would we feel about the series would we be better disposed to it if rather than going well this is the ninth Doctor and it follows on They've just done what Battlestar Galactica did, what... This is a complete reboot. Yeah, yeah, what the new Tomorrow people did, what the new New Tomorrow people did. Um, to a certain extent, what Star Wars is doing, where they're just ditching all of the... Um, extended uh, Extended continuity. continuity. Yeah. If they just said, right, this, this is the first Doctor, and... Well, this is just the Doctor. We don't even number it. Yeah, this that's is, right. This is just the that's Doctor, right. and... Yeah. And, yep, yeah, we will include the Daleks, but it'll be the Daleks as we See define them. them, just as the Solons are how... Uh, they do that. And so if they want to introduce the Master, they can do whatever they like with him. If they want to introduce Gallifrey, they can do whatever they like with it. Well, they do that anyway, but... I, I know, but if, they, if they'd said it was a new series, yeah. would we care anymore? But I think that they did both of those things, especially with the first series. When I was driving over here, I was thinking about Dalek, and I thought, you know what, the first 15 minutes of Dalek are fantastic, and a lot of that's yeah. driven by Eccleston's performance itself. Yep. And so that's a classic series approach, in a sense. 
okay? Mm -hmm. But then they embrace the new series ethos where the last half hour is all about feelings. It's all about the Dalek wanting to feel the touch of the sun for the very yes. first and last time. And Rose, you know, teary-eyed and, and condemning the Doctor for his, his effective so, racism. So can I, can I add to there something of a bit of a careful what you wish for thing? Because yeah. I remember us having the discussion way back during season one where we said, this show would be so good if they just ditched the soap opera stuff. And, you know, Russell T. Davies is a great writer. There's some great adventures. But all this soap opera, touchy-feely stuff is really annoying. Why can't it just be sci-fi adventures? And we kind of knew the answer to that was, mm. well, if they make it, then we'll all watch it. And 1.3 million others will, but that'll be it. Now, in the last few episodes, Stephen Moffat has almost kind of done that. You look at um, the Castle episode. Which one is that? Heaven Sent. Thank you. I can't get those titles around the wrong way. Can't they just call it, you know, Nightmare of the Castle or the something? One, the, one, the one in the castle. Yeah, <laughs> Castle of Doom or <laughs> something like that. The Ghosts of Terror. Ter Terrence Dix probably would have done. That's exactly right. Give it a good Terrence Dix the, name. The Castle of Diamond Punching. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but, but those episodes actually are much more just an adventure. And the AI was one of the worst ever. Not that I think the AI is a very good measure. And the ratings have gone down. So have we actually got a bit of what we wanted and been proven right that the mainstream audience doesn't like it? Because yeah. whatever else you say about RTD, he knew how to get a Saturday evening audience. That's true. I mean, I'll, and again, with uh, Sleep No More, that is as divorced from the touchy-feely era yes. of Doctor Who as you're going to get. Yes. It is basically a straight-up adventure. No surprises yes. written by Mark Gaddis. And its AI was as the, the same as Love and Monsters. Yeah. And I enjoyed it a lot. The, the screaming 16-year-olds out there were probably putting their eyes out with knitting needles because it was just, you know, it, it just done, didn't hit the buttons that they, they wanted. Where was, you know, the, where's feels. the emotion? Where's the feels? Where was so, all that? Finally, we get the soap opera stuff divorced and it's proved what we always feared. It, you'd lose the mainstream audience with it. Is, is that the problem? Possibly. But I, I think the audience... I mean, you know, we've been talking on and off uh, about the, the ratings for the, the series. And, yes. You know, people have gone, well, you know, the Rugby World Cup and it's uh, been pushed back because of Strictly Come Dancing and blah, blah, blah. But I, I think that this year has seen a shift in audience appreciation of the show in terms of mm. willingness to watch it. When you have Strictly Come Dancing sitting on 10 million viewers and the show loses 60%... Yes. But then that's telling you something that I, this is no longer a show for a, a broad-based family. No, and, and, and I get the argument about consolidated ratings, but for a Saturday evening flagship TV show, a rating starting with a four is not good enough. So, so are we saying that the general populace are, are moving on? Is that, I'm saying that they're sick of Moffat's approach. Are they? Is, is it Moffat's approach or just that the show's been around nine years? Well, that's well, the thing. because holiday too old. No, I don't. No. Oh, I, well, I mean, we obviously don't think so. I don't but think so. but no. then again, so I'm only 15 years old. Than me. I know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, he's less than that than me. So, I mean. Some, some of us are still youthful. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Cut that out. No. <laughs> but that's the thing, because you had the 50th anniversary and you had all the hype around the 50th anniversary and the big cinema explosion. And of course, you know, they, they announced the new doctor in the lead up and. You know, it was done live, simulcast yes, around yeah. the world, and what is it? Fifty thousand Australians got up at four a.m. Including you? Yes, including me. Well, actually, I was still up. <laughs> so, what you're saying, Richard, is 
tuning in at 7.30 to watch the actual show is too hard. <laughs> but getting up at 4am to watch them announce the Doctor, you're willing to do that. Well, have you got your priorities right? Well, actually, I mean, look, I'm happy to have that discussion, but if you want to. But <laughs> no, no, I just want to make fun of you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, it was, because at the time I was actually sitting up trying to get uh, the club magazine finished, and I realised it's actually on in about three quarters of an hour. So if I either sat here, I can just go and sort of tune out in the couch, zone out in the couch for about half an hour and then watch it. Of course, when they did announce Capaldi, it was sort of like you could have just cut through the first 25 minutes and, and just... It could, it, could it could have been three minutes. Yeah, of course it could have been. Here is the news item. The new doctor is Peter Capaldi. <laughs> <laughs> <That's it>. <laughs> <laughs> but do we all knew anyway? But um, can, I, can I ask, just as yeah. an aside, I was wasn't up. like being up at 4am no, doing no, no, a no, magazine. No, 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 no. Fucking phone for Sorry. I was up until 2.30 editing the podcast that you and I recorded, yes. which is going to go out before this. Do you, I was getting dizzy just sitting there for three hours just cutting bits out. Did, did you feel that when you were doing that in 4.30? Uh, sometimes I did. I mean, I get to the point where I just sit there and it's like, I just can't do this anymore. I'm going to bed for two hours and go to work. Getting back on track, and I don't know whether we're going to cut the last couple of minutes out or not, but you've gone through the 50th anniversary and all the hype around the 50th anniversary. You've then had your new doctor. So, of course, people will tune in to see what the new doctor is like. But then what? Because he's in his second, his difficult second album, uh, <laughs> difficult second album phase. You've got around the hype, the, the bubble, the 50th anniversary bubble has burst. You've seen what the new Doctor's like. You know who his companion is. It's the same bloke running it. What's the hook? What, that's the thing. What, what's the catch? Yeah, well. Really? And, and I don't know. Is that maybe part of it? Discuss. It's just become another piece, as you said before, Dave, it's just become another piece of the televisual furniture. Yeah, you know, it's it's on for twelve weeks, and so do do we think there'll be a series next year? All the indications appear to be no. Mm, that's, what I, that's, that's what I. That's what I. I think one of the designers thinking. was interviewed on a, 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 an unnamed North American podcast, who said that he would be back at work until the middle of the year, which would indicate that uh, it probably won't go out until twenty seventeen. Well, they do a Christmas special next year, presumably. Oh, we'll have time. And, and they'll maybe do one other episode, perhaps? Do a, a token... Well, I mean, isn't there that thing about you never want to be more than six months away from new Doctor Who or something? Uh, oh, look, I, I must admit I don't follow the backroom stuff. So. Or is that more RTD? Don't forget, uh, Stephen Moffat is an employee of the BBC. So Stephen Moffat will be hired to write or produce Doctor Who when the BBC tells him to. He doesn't get to rock up to the Director General's office and say, um, I've decided we're going to do eight episodes of Doctor Who this year and it's going to be... Da-da. He just gets told this is what you're doing. And if they wanted to do something else on a higher um, they, 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 they do, but I mean, the BBC also... I mean, I know they've committed the budget to season 10. They have... There was that document went around a couple, oh, a few months ago, I think, saying they, com- they had committed the budget for season 10, but it doesn't say when. So, I mean, it would be a case... Surely they would say, well, we're not going to commit to Doctor Who this year. We want another series of Sherlock. Or we want this great new program we're going to we're going to unveil. Is it a case that the BBC thinks that only Moffat can deliver? I'd be staggered if they thought that was the case. I mean, the BBC's had how many shows over the years that have had multiple production crews? I mean, well, you know, Moffat has his lovers and his detractors. But at the end of the day, he's a gun for hire. And you can't tell me that isn't somebody else the BBC couldn't hire to do that job. But, I mean, but, and I or, or, is, or are you saying that it's at the J&T era now where nobody wants to do it? Well, that was going to be my point. If you're an up-and-coming 
uh, you know, person in television, and you've you know you've written a f- mm-hmm. for a few shows and all that sort of thing. You've got the experience. Do you want to create your own TV sh- series and be the showrunner, or do you want to take on an established show that has a chancy future with an, a massive bag- amount of baggage, and you might be you might be torched just doing that and be out the door in a year's time? Uh, probably not. But if you're desperate to get your first EP credit on the resume, and BBC says, "Well, we'll hire you to do this." People will do it. It's, it's still at the moment, at the moment, a Saturday evening flagship tentpole show. That's got to be good for your resume. Um, it might not be that for much longer if the ratings continue. It might become a classic Thursday evening type drama. I don't know. There are other people in the UK than Stephen Moffat who can write TV. Mm. Do you have any thoughts on this, Mark? Do you want to be the new showrunner? The fans, the public, all agree. Stephen Moffat must go now. <laughs> if, if they were to approach, no, no, no. If, I mean, you all put people when I said uh, Gavis, but I mean, if they were to approach him, he surely would take it on. You would think so. If oh, they were to say to him, "We want you," we're, we're getting. Look, I'm, we're, I'm sure Moffat has walked into his own office and seen Mark measuring it up for himself. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Tony Blair, Gordon Brown. When will you hand over to me? <laughs> Just wait ten years. Peter Costello type. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We made out an agreement. That's right. Curability. Cure, Curability. Cure, Curability. <laughs> Stephen, Mark Gannis and Stephen Moffat's Curability Agreement. Iron Egg. <laughs> That's a nice obscure piece of 1988 Australian <laughs> political trivia. But maybe the way the, the show is consumed now, it's made for the Netflix generation. So people like us are, and probably some of the BBC, are focused on the ratings where... Um, well, but as Dave says, they should be focused on the ratings mm. because it is a flagship show. Mm. I mean, if it was, um, you know, a, a knockoff thing that was going out midweek, we could, you know, uh, and, and yeah. it was cheap to produce because yeah. that's the other thing. Doctor Who is not cheap to produce. No, no but it sells in a bucket load. That's so the thing. That's, that, that, that's, that's the thing that's probably got a little, not yeah. life support, but keeps it going. Is the fact that yeah. it sells yeah. into multiple international markets. Yeah, yes. but that's not going to continue because there's only so many new markets you can break into. Well, we're going to colonize the moon eventually, aren't we? So. So after that uh, positive discussion, let's uh, lift the tone and uh, segue into our new segment, a bit of a light-hearted fun segment, uh, our fan wank segment. Fan wank. Uh, so, Mark, uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> Mark, this was your idea. Just give us a bit of a background as to what it's all about, and then we'll jump into it. Thank you, Rob. Basically, this segment is for listeners and uh, guests alike to nominate their favourite attempts of the retconning of Doctor Who uh, uh, history, i.e., uh, like uh, the Doctor ran away from Gallifrey because he was scared, not bored, those sort of things. So, he was scared of being bored. Well, probably was. I'm, I'm sure the listeners know how he feels. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's been smashed into their face for the last 12 weeks. Keep punching! Okay, so we'll throw it over to guests first. How about Dave? Thank you, Mark. So my nominee for Fan Wank of the Year 2015 is the moment when they decided they had to explain why the Doctor looked like a character from an earlier season. Now, I can tell you why the Doctor looks like a character from an earlier season. Because it's a TV show, guys. They're both played by an actor, and his name's Peter Capaldi. Do we really think we had to have that explained? Do we really need a reason why? That just makes absolutely no sense. Completely unnecessary. Hand on. That was just fan wake. 
That's one. I can't even remember the scene you talked about. I was going to say, for those of us who haven't watched it, what was the reason? What, yeah, what was the reason? So they, they have. What the, episode was it? It's, it's, it's in The Girl Who Waited to Die. Oh, God, that's why I forgot. And the Girl Who Waited to Act. The Girl Who Waited to Act. That, that, the, that one. Um, just, uh, positive so, tone, positive, positive. So, so based so for those for those who haven't been watching Richard. Um, or who don't remember, as, like Mark. As, <laughs> is, is, is that Mark's fault or the no, writer's fault? Not all about me. So. <laughs> Um, the Doctor's plot to defeat the scary fish people is uh, it goes slightly wrong and Maisie Williams' character dies. So the Doctor sort of initially is, well, this is what happens, and then has a flashback to him saving that Italian family from the fires of Pompeii. Oh, Pompeii. yes. Now and I... he says, this is why I've got that face. It's to remind me to always save people. So it's not the bloke from Torchwood. No, they didn't even they, they ignore <laughs> the bloke from Torchwood. Although I have... Russell T. Davies has got a theory that that's the descendant of the guy from Pompeii, so the doctor saving him. Yeah, this is the, the extra points for my fan wake. That's extra um, points. You've already won at the gate. That's it. Game over. <laughs> but it's hang on. It's I'm a, looking at Richard's face. He looks actually ill. He <laughs> <laughs> looks ill. It's, it's a TV series. The only good thing of that was the joke that I saw on the internet afterwards, which said, "Well, if this doctor took Capaldi's face to remind him to save people." What was the message he had when he took Colin Baker's face to kill Doctor Who? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's have a poll on that. <laughs> Hello, Tom, if you're listening. Spilsbury. So that's 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 my nomination for Fan Wake of the Year. Ooh, Very good, and Richard. Mine's actually something I got emailed to me the other day, which was a, a and I'm sorry, I know we pick on Big Finish a lot, but. Uh, or you guys do, but um, <laughs> uh, me. <laughs> uh, it was a, a thing I got emailed to me the other day, which was the adventures of Jago and Lightfoot and and Strax. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and, and I thought. Now, keeping in mind your theory about Strax being part of the sex theme trio. Yes. Right, well, they, they would be too old to take part in those sort of things. <laughs> he would break them, wouldn't he? <laughs> he, would, he would break them. But like I thought, watch. I mean, I, I was always sort of a bit incredulous, shall we say, that, that they'd actually managed to spin Jago and Lightfoot out into a series yes. and, and, and have series. it go across Sorry? Ten. Ten. ten now. I you're thought it was about seven. Or, I think they're up to ten, aren't they? They're certainly into the high, yeah, uh, 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 singles. Wow. Yes, yeah. Um, and then I thought, so we we get to about season eight to ten, and we think this show's in need of a reinvention. <laughs> what could we, what could we do to liven this up? I know, we'll get that crazy Sontaran dude in there. <laughs> now I haven't listened to them. Look, they might, they might be. Look, they oh. might be really awesome stories and well crafted, and you know. Sontaha may work in that environment. So what you're saying is you've taken two of the most niche characters of classic old Doctor Who and paired them up with the character least liked by classic old Doctor Who fans. The Jar Jar Binks. The Jar Jar Binks of new Doctor Who. And you pair them with two classic... (laughs) (laughs) Who who did that? Jar Jar Strax. <laughs> Jar Jar Strax. Me said Jar Jar Strax. Jar Jar Ha! Jar Jar It's like oil and water trying to mix it. Well, I, I would have thought so. It's and like then, ebony and ivory. <laughs> and then, when I followed... And look, I'm not a big devotee of Big Finish. I have listened to some of them and I have found some of them quite entertaining. I actually, for some reason, followed the link to their page and had a look at what they were doing now. And I saw they're now pairing... I mean, I get that they had the stories where they pair the, the new monsters with the old Doctors, like the, one of them meets the Weeping Angels and there's one with the Jadoon or something. 
But I now see, and maybe they've been doing this for a while, I don't know, but they actually now have old companions with newer doctors. Mm. What, what's all that about? <laughs> Fan wank via subscription. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I don't want to be unkind him because I have met him and he is a lovely bloke, but the old companions all seem to be Fraser Hines. <laughs> <laughs> Just exclusively Fraser Hines. Well, no, it's not. There's some of the other ones as well. But He's a big finished version of a walk in the Black Forest. <laughs> <laughs> but... I, I don't know. I don't know quite what, what that is. I'm sure there's a reason why, but I don't quite get what that is. So anyway, that, that's my entry. Jago and Lightfoot and Strax. <laughs> Jago and Strax. That's your entry for Fan Wake of the Year. Mark. Uh, now, most of our listeners do know I have a problem with the whole War Doctor situation. Have you kept that very quiet? I know I have. Especially at the Doctor Who Festival when I did run up to the stage and said, No, McGann! <laughs> but... Uh, before you were dragged out of the auditorium. <laughs> I don't want to go. <laughs> However. You can um, use that, that, that catchphrase in any situation now, can't you? Tenants for Oh, yeah. I, you know, I get, t- Mark, t- Mark, you haven't been using it for weeks. Exactly. Mark, do you want to come to this meeting? I don't want to go. Do you want to come out for lunch? I don't want to go. Do you want a coffee? I don't want to go. Do you want to watch the new series, Doctor Who? I don't, I don't want to go. go. <laughs> Carrying on from Richard's uh, big finish screed. They've now legitimising, or well, trying to legitimise, in their eyes, not mine, the War Doctor with a, was it 20 CD set or something like that, of uh, the further adventures of the War Doctor? Is that right? I, I, I don't know. 20, 20, 20 by 10 minute CDs? Yeah. 2020. <laughs> no, it's about five CD sets. So, of the further adventures of the War Doctor destroying planets. So, yes, well done. I'm not going to buy it. So, a character who was introduced because... They couldn't change the script when an actor pulled out, and they weren't able to hire Paul again. And they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't hire Paul again. A character that basically epitomises, that crystallises, that is the effigy of, of Moffat's <laughs> desire to rewrite fandom and rewrite show in his own image. Good enough, though. You know what they, I said earlier about radicalising people? Yeah. That's how, I, that's how I'm feeling now. <laughs> Can I just say that John Hurt is an amazing actor. He's a bloody amazing He's actor. A bloody he was, good actor. He was great in like Claudius. Yes. Uh, and some other stuff. <laughs> was he, he, he was in Kiss of the Spider Woman. Didn't he win an award for that back yeah, in the day? He was the elephant man too. He was oh, the elephant yeah. man. I he's am bad. not an animal. I he was, am a human being. Yeah. 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 Um, yes. He's, he's the voice of the dragon in Merlin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're starting to get in literally on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Naked Civil Servant, very good. Oh, yes. Yes. So, look, not, you know, I think he's a fantastic actor, just that, uh, look, I still have a problem with the whole War Doctor thing. Yeah, as, as do I. Yeah. That, that That's really fan wake on top of fan wake, isn't it? It is, really. And the whole numbering system is just out of, out of whack now. So, anyway, enough of that. But oh, you can I'm use trying. that to explain. See, if you have all these other regenerations, that finally explains the brain of Morbius. Go on. Yeah, go on. Well, yeah. there's all these other incarnations. How do you know that William Hartnell is actually the first Doctor? Because the five Doctors blows it all. Yeah, up. but that could be his next. And that could Lord's be his. Well. But but that could be his first one of his second cycle of regenerations. How do you know there's not twelve other Doctors prior to that, which are I, the ones you see in in Brain of Morbius? I just know. <laughs> I feel it can, in can, my waters. <laughs> can I say before I read in fandom that this was a thing in Brain of Morbius? I just assume that they were all Morbius. Correct. Like the Doctor ends up, up the yeah, because the Doctor wins the competition, so you assume that he's got the better of Morbius, and they're all Morbius. The Doctor's I didn't think, I didn't think dead they too. Well, he's not dead. I mean, he's not. And they have to give him the the elixir. Well, well they push the you push the push the Doctor to the edge to get to Hartnell. Then the Doctor just gets 
a bit ahead of Morbius. You see Morbius go back and then Morbius is brain. Because they have actually said the intention was that they are earlier incarnations of the Doctor. Oh, look, I, I, I get all that, but until I read that, as, as, a, as a viewer watching the show, it never occurred to me they were anything other no. than Morbius. See, that's 1970s fan rank, isn't it? It is. The original fan wing. You might say. Well, in fact... <laughs> if, if I mean, I don't remember. My, my earliest memory of Brain of Morbius is that horrible 58-minute version or whatever it was they put on oh, yeah. uh, at, in, in the late 70s at about 9.30 at night. <laughs> the Brain of Morb. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> was cut out. The Bra of Morb. Yeah. What about you, Rob? We're going to go all the way back to the first episode of this year. Oh, no. Um, with, uh, what was that called? Father of the Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> No, Genesis what was that of the called? Daleks 2. No, the Re- Dalek inversion? Reverberation of the Daleks. Um, um, no, no, seriously, what was that called? It was a Magician's Apprentice. The magician's Apprentice. Apprentice. Okay, yeah. Christ. It was long enough to get there. I know, longer than the episode. They're stupid episode titles. I keep saying this. Yes. What was the second one called then? The. Witches Witches I mean, individually, they're halfway decent story titles. The problem I had with that is a problem that I have overall with the series is that. The more the new series has gone on, the bigger the Doctor is mm. for the universe. Yes. Mm. He, he's not merely just an alien who likes to adventure. He is a god. Yes. He is effectively a god. He has power of life and death over well, everything. All of you. <laughs> <laughs> he, you know, and he'll save every one of us. <laughs> save every one of us? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they, they do these things where they insert him into basically everything. Mm. He's at the genesis of this and he's at the genesis of that. And he is the reason for Davros surviving and being Davros. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, we discussed that last time. Did, did that story really need to be told? No. Is there any need for the Doctor to have had any part of Davros's development? No. Because, well, in the new series, Ethos, where emotion uh, and, you know, reigns supreme, then yes. But where he has to be at Davros's effective conception. But but where has Davros been keeping the sonic screwdriver for the last? Like, has he been sitting on it's, it? It's in the same place he's got his little hypnotism thing in Resurrection that comes yeah, out. Yeah, that's right, the little the little like Tipex bottle or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> yeah, I and, and look, it, this is a thing that's wrong with a lot of genre fiction where you get these you know these lead characters. I mean, I used to read the Conan books uh, back in the in the eighties when they were coming out. They were pastiches. And there, you know, there was a need to have Conan at every sort of single important event going on, and be everywhere and be the important thing. And it's it's the same thing with Doctor Who these days that he's there at everything that's important. He's not just a traveller discovering things. He's a game player. He's he's the the master puppeteer, and he's the reason for why Davros is the way he is. Does that, the does that, that arguably start in the McCoy era though? Oh, but well, I mean, if you read McCoy and you watch, or if you watch McCoy and you watch Resurrection of the Daleks, well, clearly Hartnell was manipulating stuff too, but or not? And yet, and yet, <laughs> well, ah, look, Kenny it, Everett, we hardly knew you. I mean, if it was sort of introduced back then, all right, it was an introduction. It was uh, a layer of frosting on the cake. Here, it appears to be one of the key elements. It is the cake. Uh, well, but if you go back to Remembrance. It's it's a hint. It's a little bit of a you might think you know all about the Doctor. Here's here's a little hint that maybe there's something else in the shadows. Uh, yeah. in, in in Father of the Daleks, yes. it's just um, shovels it, on. It's just it's it, they're using the shovel that Capaldi should have used to break the diamond to break continuity. They're just beating you over the head. With and it. it's what if I mean the big word at the moment is agency. Characters must have agency. Female characters must have much have must have agency. It takes the, that agency away from characters like Davros. 
You know, the Doctor yeah. saved young Davros. Um, so we're near mates. You know, or this is why Davros still exists. I don't like it. And it does harm to the Doctor's character. And it does harm to the TV show. Cool. So are we going to decide a winner ourselves or leave it up to the audience? Well, if you like to uh, get in touch with us and either agree with us or disagree with us, please contact us via 42 gmail.com, our Facebook page, or our Twitter account. Now it's time for another letter. Next letter is from Ron Clifford. And as Dave keeps telling us that we always rush through letters, he's going to read it out again. Dear 42 to Doomsday. Hi. Can I just point out I'm reading these completely blind, so thank you, Mark. Yeah, he's too much on the source tonight. Just wondering if at some point you could include in your podcast a short discussion about the radio plays, The Paradise of Death and The Ghost of Endspace. Having only, just li- having only just listened to them, I admit it being at something of a loss. I think that's going to be a common thing in our discussion. <laughs> yeah, I don't they, think you're going to get any answers here, friend. <laughs> they, they seem so out of character and unfaithful to the third Doctor's period that it, it is almost as if Barry Letts has actually forgotten what the show was like. Have you Could, listened to his Blake 7 once? <laughs> we'll discuss it in a moment. Could this be possible? If you already have an episode dealing with this, I apologise and ask only if you could point me to it as I am at this point very confused as to how the BBC thought this was a polished enough to go ahead as it was. Yours, R. Clifford. Thanks, Ron. Look, we never have talked about these two... uh, This is a virgin topic. Yeah, these two uh, stories because, let's be honest, they're not very good. So let's just bring up uh, Paradise of Death. When did you first listen to it? I bought the tape. Yes. The glow in the dark tape. Was that right? Uh, the cover. Wasn't it? Didn't the cover glow in the dark? Yes, I think it did actually. Oh, maybe the UK one did. The one. Yes, I think it did. Yes, actually. Yes. Green death. I bought it when it came out. Where'd you buy it from, Richard? Uh, CDV. The ABC shop in my case. No, I think I actually got an advance copy. I think. Did you get an advance copy? I think we got a review copy. Did you get screeners? Yeah, I think. Hold on. I'm fairly sure we got a review copy. He just set up a blog. Uh, <laughs> what, for, a, thir- for a 30 year old audio tape <laughs> <laughs> a 25 year old audio tape 93 93 it was the 30th anniversary I'm fairly sure we got a we got a preview copy I think what did you think of it? I don't remember getting an awful lot out of it I'll be honest and say I think I listened to it at the time I think I've listened to it once since which would have been in probably within a couple of years Probably when actually probably when Ghost of Endspace came out, I probably would have listened to it again. I don't think I've listened to it since. Uh, does Paradise of Death have Nick Courtney in it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. they're both. And Liz and, um, yeah. Sladen. And, and, Sladen. Yeah. and uh, Peter Miles. And Harold Inson, yeah. I think. And what was that annoying character? Uh, Jeremy. That was in both. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And I've listened to it a few times. I listened to it a couple of years ago. Is I, it um, evocative of the era? Paradise of Death isn't too... Unfaithful to the era. The, the, the problem is that obviously the actors have aged. I mean, Pertwee, I mean, he, he died, what, two, three, three years, well, after, three years after? It was only, yeah, because Ghost of Endspace was the following year, yeah. I think. He, he actually uh, sounds more like Words More Gummage there than he does in Words yeah, More Gummage. Yeah, look, it's, 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 it's yeah. like I've listened to a couple of the Tom Baker big finishes where it, Tom Baker now sounds like someone doing a parody of Tom Baker. Like me. Well, ah. <laughs> um, you, I, you need to expand that. There's a second we're like, my oh. throbber. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, look, I don't think it's a brilliant story. I thought it was quite a, a decent little adventure. It, yeah, I, I, I quite like it. I, 
don't dislike it. I like it. I don't it, know what to say. It needed the Ron Grainer uh, version of the theme. That, 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 that would have helped. Yeah, just to try to evoke the era somewhat. The concepts are just so not... The third Doctor, that's a yeah. problem. But, but the, the, point, the point that I sort of wrote down in my notes when you highlighted we're going to do this, Mark... I can't read them, yeah. That's it. Well, it's all right. 93 was a really fascinating time for the show because... We're, it was really only about 91, 92 when we realised that the show actually wasn't coming back. At the end of 89, there was no, the show is cancelled. There was, oh, yeah, the show's coming back soon. We're just getting new producers. By 93, it was clear the show wasn't coming back. And so you start to get all these little attempts at what fandom's going to do. The, the the new adventures had only started a year or two before and were just starting to consolidate themselves. You get up the Bill Banks stuff starting about that time or a couple of years earlier and this was the BBC on audio going well maybe we can go in this direction it's a fascinating time in whose fandom of just trying different things and look like the dark dimension it's a, it's a wonderful time to be alive oh, yeah. effectively nimble and agile absolutely <laughs> oh, I'm absolutely. not using those terms at work at the moment <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, 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 it was and you can, you can see in the paradise of death a really genuine attempt at saying well if Doctor Who is now finished on TV Maybe it can exist on radio. Well, I did. I mean, they did a lot of promotion for it. Mm. Uh, yeah. Did they broadcast it on radio? On the yes. Yeah. yes it, was radio originally, it was originally on radio. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then it was released on tape. But they did a lot of promotion mm. uh, for it. I mean, I, I know those stories sort of about Pertwee, that was probably the one big thing he had going at that point in his life, I think, because I think the roles had started to dry up a bit. Well, he was approaching death, so... Well, he, he didn't know that. He didn't know that, neither did the people who... Were. Oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> it's also that time where, you know, for many of us, John Pertwee was the Doctor. He he was the one at that stage who had the elder statesman mm. role. He mm. was happy to go on Noel's house party and happy yeah. to do this, and anywhere you needed Doctor Who to have a presence, he would rock up in his costume and be the elder statesman in a way that Tom Baker wasn't willing to do. Peter Davison wasn't willing to do. Colin would have been willing, but nobody asked him. Asked him to do that. <laughs> and, and I don't mean that to be mean. I yeah, mean that, that yeah, he, he, him, he and McCoy were not in the Elder Statesman. No. Pertwee was the he was the Doctor. He was. Year. Yeah. And good on him for keeping the spirit alive. Keeping the flame. Keeping the flame. Actually, on that point, is that the reason why Fraser going back? Is that the reason why Fraser Hines is is so out there? Is he the you know the Elder Statesman? But potentially, certainly the companions, I suppose. I mean, William Russell would be, but I don't think he does. He doesn't get out much anymore. He's not no, anymore, so. now. Uh, well, well, although he was, he was supposed to come out to a con here a couple of years ago. I'm not going to put a 90 year old man on a bloody plane for 26 hours. No, <laughs> they were going to. They were going to. He was coming and he had uh, health issues. Although his son, his son is now um, branching having a very good career. Yeah. He? He's brilliant in how to, um, how to get away with murder. Had a host of murder. How, how, do, you, how do you get away with murder? Um, his, son, his son's in that very good. Had a killer, a lot, much loved and long lived. Uh, TV series Stephen Moffat <laughs> positive vibes come on positive vibes I'm, I'm very positive about Paradise of Death okay mean? let's spin it then uh, mm. go, oh, have you got any thoughts on it uh, I, I have occasional thoughts your thoughts on, on the, the Paradise, Paradise of Death, Death yeah. I have no recollection <laughs> <laughs> none hence why I asked earlier who was in it I have listened to it yeah. and when I was working in an unnamed genre shop in the city uh, I did see it liberated a coffee no I Fun story, I took home a VHS <laughs> copy of Lacopolis and watched it. And then put it back in stock at the but, back. But did you did you push in the little oh, I tab? I pushed in the tab, yes. So you could wind the yes, tape I back? I think I picked it up from you, actually, yes. yes. <laughs> so you took the plastic wrap off it? Uh, no, no, it was a UK one, they didn't have plastic wraps. No, wrap. plastic wrap. No, 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 UK no, ones didn't have plastic wraps. No, so... But that's an Australian invention. No, I thought the UK ones... Because we're all... Um, 
No, Convicts. Well, that's, that's right. right. All I know is that the copy that I took off the shelf to take home to watch mm. had no plastic on it. Yeah. It, no, if just a tip for people, if you still have VHS tapes and you want to pass them <laughs> off as being new, there is a tab you can press that allows you to wind the tape right back so it looks unplayed and it does a little roll forward thing they all used to do when they put them in the machine. Yeah, lovely, and when you lovely. play it back, it says Helter Skelter. <laughs> <laughs> All work and no play, basically. <laughs> something, something, something. Actually, in that same shop, we used to get, uh, the boys upstairs used to get uh, copies of Seinfeld and The Simpsons on yes. VHS from the, U- U- yes. from the US. And uh, I'd be downstairs in the books. They would pipe them down? Would You'd they? hear it in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the sound system. So they had the, that uh, Simpson Halloween yeah. special <laughs> on constant rotation. <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, yeah, so I don't have any memories of Paradise uh, of Death or the Ghosts of End Space, because we'll be talking about that, other than selling it to a few people. Um, interesting precursor, I suppose, to what Big Finish eventually did. Uh, and it's a pity they probably didn't do more of them and got more of a chance to, uh, I don't know, get the tone right. Yeah, I think if they had done more, they would have got better. And it's interesting that Barry Letts, who wrote them, got the tone completely wrong. I, I don't think he got it that, that far off. I'd, okay. He was writing them... 20 years later. Should he have asked Terence? Uh, Terence would have been banging on the door. But I guess, again, if they'd done you know, a full series of 12 or 13, Terence probably would have written one or two. So what was the genesis behind them? They just thought, well, it's the 30th anniversary, we'll just do some radio plays? I, I think it came out of the radio station. Yeah, I think so. Okay, and it wasn't enough of a success the, to do more than two? The guy who produced them was, at the time, doing all these uh, radio adaption of uh, comic books. He did The Death of Superman adaption um, and he did one on Batman I think uh, what was the one where he got his Nightfall that's exactly got his back broken. Yeah. yeah and they were great and uh, he then got his claws into the uh, Doctor Who okay. so, is that where the Blake 7 ones came from too I don't know about that one <laughs> they are terrible they are dire did yeah. Barry Letts do that? Yes, he did. Barry? And I don't and know why they got Barry Letts to do it. No, because he never watched an episode in his life. And, and never written for it, never worked on it. No. <laughs> wouldn't, you, wouldn't you go straight to Chris Boucher? Well, I yeah, you, so. you would have thought so, but no, they are Bizarre. bad like seven written by someone who's never watched the series. Yes, and... And, uh, and, 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 and they haven't got half the cast. No, half the, half the cast aren't in it, so... Because didn't they recast um, Sue Lin? It was, a fe- it was the female cast. Female yeah. um, and Angela Bruce was dead. Yeah, Angela Bruce um, was dead. Well, I was going to say, you never ever would have got Joseph Simon anyway. But no. um, I was actually she, very surprised. She still has a career. Well, and let's face it, she's probably the only one who's really had a big, yeah, yeah, yeah. glowing career afterwards. I mean, yeah. Yeah. She wiped her hands of it, is she? But, oh, she doesn't want to know about Blake 7. Although, she did actually sign cards for the tra- for the trading card sets they did yeah, a couple yeah, of years ago. Who did she play? Uh, Dana. Dana. But the Three and four. Three and four. You've got to get on it, Rob. Yeah. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> got to get on it. But, oh, but the yes. problem is, you know, look, if, if, if Joseph Simons isn't going to come back and do it, okay, you have to recast. Michael but, Keating will. But casting Angela Bruce, who every sci-fi fan, you know, knows. She was in Who, she was in Red Dwarf. Mm. You know, That's it. It's just so obvious. But, but she's such a recognisable person. Mm. It's just Angela Bruce. If you're going to recast, cast somebody who is at least neutral, so you can pretend it's the old person, not... Mm. Clearly, Angela Bruce. Okay, what about Ghosts of End Space? I remember listening to it and was bored out of my skull. <laughs> I mean, Paradise of Death, David said, get something right, but Ghosts of End Space just completely throws it out the toilet. And the Brigadier is a Italian. Yeah, he's got an Italian uh, uh, uncle. legacy uncle who left him a man. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, it's and Sandra Dickinson doing again a squeaky American accent. But that's just a natural voice, isn't it? So really <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Sandra, if you're listening, or maybe if you're some old David is. Um, I read the book. Oh yeah, and <laughs> and then didn't listen to the audio. <laughs> It's bad. And, and is the book still taking pride of place amongst oh, your collection oh, oh, over there? Yeah. Or is it one of the ones you've got rid of? Have you, li- you two listened to it? I listened to it. I don't have very many memories of nah, it. Ah, it's awful. I, I, yeah. There you go. You, you've even, they've even given Nicholas Briggs a um, Mediterranean sheet. Nicholas Courtney. Nicholas Briggs. <laughs> Call security. They've even given Nicholas Courtney a nice Mediterranean um, suntan on the cover there. What, what do you reckon? He's um, he's got that Sicilian cast. Yes. <laughs> but no, you, you look at the spine. It's clearly been red once. Actually, thanks for reminding me. Of the so it's not actually creased. No. <laughs> My recollection of the audios is actually more so on the book side than having read them. Mm. No, they're bad. Thanks, Ron, for the letter. So that, that's a recommendation. If you uh, see them on the shelf going cheap, don't buy them. Coming to a torrent site near you. I don't think anybody is torrented them, to be honest. No, nobody yeah. wants to. I don't think they released. I don't think they've had a CD released, did they? No, they did. Yeah, did they? yeah both of them. I've got both CDs. And so you don't uh, like them, yet you bought them. Yeah, but I'm a Doctor Who fan. You know. You're a complainer. I got all the missing episode CDs, and they were just part of the. So you don't listen to them either. No, I went back and listened to well, some for the Troughton cast, mm. obviously, and yeah, some okay. for a Hartnell cast, uh, historical. Oh, cast sorry, I thought you meant. Sorry, I'm thinking the lost stories, like the, oh. all those Colin Baker ones that that they put out. Um, and oh, and slip back. No, no the one's big finish. Oh, fuck, that's a big finish. No. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, when you said missing, I was thinking. So I was thinking the lost stories. So oh, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, the one with the, the, night, the nightmare fair and oh, the. Oh, they're um, bad. I've, I've listened to them. Yeah. The, the Nightmare Fair is interesting. Mission to Magnus clearly needed another draft. Um, the Boucher one, the fact they couldn't get to the rights of the Master, they just should have stopped them. Bid Mead. Yeah. Yeah, the Bid Mead one. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah the, like, once, once you've got a story that where the Master is integral to it and you can't get copyright of the Master, don't adapt it. Mm. No, leave it, it alone. It was just yeah. awful. Yeah, Bidmead is interviewed by Toby Haydock. Yes, show. yes, he I was. I listened to that. So yeah, it's very good, more. actually. It's very good. He, he, um, very candid, is Christopher Very, very candid. He's got very strong opinions, especially in terms of what a script editor should be doing. Uh, take note, Cardiff. And, uh, <laughs> yes, he, he, he doesn't like the, uh, the, the magical... Uh, Storytelling? Storytelling. <laughs> There's actually a point. What do we think about the Doctor having a sonic screwdriver again? Another merchandising uh, opportunity. I don't mind him having a sonic screwdriver. It's how it gets used. As long as it's not a magic wand. As long as it's not a magic wand. No, it'll be a magic wand. Well, don't, don't, no, don't no, no, look, they pulled it. I mean, you, you look at what Matt Smith was doing where he would flurry it at the drop of a hat. It was now a medical tricoder. It was an analysis thing. It was a magic wand. That was too much. I'm open to him having a sonic screwdriver. It's how it's used that matters. If he uses it to open doors and blow things up, I'm cool. If he uses it to do medical operations, that's too much. Mm. But as you say, it's just so they can sell another one. We've noticed that we're now at about an hour and a half of recording time, so I guess with edits, that's probably about 25 minutes. Uh, (laughs) We thought we'd uh, wind up with a nice light note on what we've been watching and what we're going to watch over summer. Take it away, Mark. Thank you. I just finished watching a couple of documentaries, actually. One on Amy Winehouse. 
She's dead. Spoilers. So, that, that would have been an enlightening, uh, well, it's a, happy, happy, well, vibrant uh, production, wouldn't it? Put it this way. It's a great advertisement for... Uh, sobriety. Sobriety and not taking drugs. She had a great talent. And also, the manager and father uh, just really did not read the signs. Actually, no, they ignored the signs, to be perfectly honest, in terms of her um, drug taking and alcohol uh, taking and uh, just did not get her the help she needed so that's quite sad I'm on a very cheery note at the moment I watched then Soaked in Bleach <laughs> another documentary on the well the guy from Joy Division is that where no that's Control uh, Kurt Cobain on his murder uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well I think we're going to start that one again <laughs> well we're going to start that again uh, uh, sorry uh, suicide um, <laughs> I'm coming, Kurt! I'm coming! <laughs> is that going to be in Preacher? Have you seen the episode of Buzzfox where they mentioned So he has to get asked by somehow. Was it? Courtney Love could crush you like a twiglet. Yes. Or kill me and make it look like a suicide. And it went to air. Exactly. Yeah, that was very interesting for conspiracy theorists. And then I watched another documentary on the, the Canon group uh, who do lots of schlock films in the 80s such as the Masters of the Universe, Superman 4, Death Wish film series and a whole lot of ta- oh, stuff. I will say that Death Wish was my first exposure to lesbianity. On, you know, on film. <laughs> on film. Because... And now it's Red Tube. <laughs> <laughs> Turns the TV. Xhamster.com, X people. <laughs> Steak and cheese. Um, and in terms of TV watching, trying to catch up with episodes of The Flash. And Jessica Jones is queued up on Netflix, ready to go. Got to watch that as well. Apparently, it's getting great reviews, so it's supposed to be very good. So hopefully, that'll take me through the next few weeks. And Dave, you're, of course, you're going to the UK, the uh, the centre of the televisual universe. In Europe, uh, yes, so I leave. I leave. I leave a week from uh, the day we're recording here. So by the time this is out, I will be somewhere in the British Isles. A couple of the shows that I've teed up on the iPad to sort of watch on planes and trains: series two of the Flash, and mm. the new series The Man in the High Castle, which mm. I've seen the first three episodes. Excellent TV. So I've saved the rest of that. Um, I'm obviously going to be watching the Christmas special live. The first time I'll ever get to see Doctor Who go out live on the BBC. It's Every other time I've been to the UK, it hasn't been on. And usually every summer, I try to catch up on one really old series that I haven't watched from start to finish. Two years ago was The Tomorrow People. Last year was Survivors. This year, I actually picked up, thank you, Tom, if you're listening, uh, the box set of Lost in Space. Hmm. So I'm actually going to go back and just um, watch all that. Um, Usually, though, that's interrupted by long spells watching the cricket. Given that the West Indies tests will probably be over in a day and a half, I might need more than that. So, um, Children of the Stones is the other show I've got lined up for summer when I get back. But no, the next three weeks I will be in the UK um, and in Qatar on my way back. Qatar. Qatar. Yes. Lots of concrete there. In sand. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and an airport. Plus, of course, there's Star Wars coming up soon. Oh, yeah. Yes, I'll, I'll see that in the UK. Me. Uh, my <laughs> wife and I have been watching a lot of TV uh, during the week. Uh, we've been watching recently uh, the latest series of Homeland. Um, we've also watched a new uh, Australian series, uh, The Principal, with Alex Dimitriotis, which was quite good. I've, I've heard good stuff about that. Is it, um, is it good? Uh, I'd probably, yeah, it, 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 it's pretty good. It's pretty Worth good. checking out? 
the the thing you were talking about before about inclusion and, yes. and multiculturalism and all that sort of thing seeps permeates into this entire thing. So it's like a, everything Alex Dimitriatis does. Well, yes, yes. So uh, very good. Um, as for me personally, watching, I have uh, ploughed through Daredevil recently, and I've just started on. And? Uh, very good up until I mean with, with shows like that where basically the resolution is it comes via violence and fists the, the final scene where um, um, Fisk goes down is not as satisfying as perhaps it could have been but then on the, on the flip side how else could you have resolved that particular story uh, see I, I was actually I, I wasn't expecting that they'd probably go so far to the end of the season because I must admit I, I found episode 12 probably like you a little bit of a the last episode a little bit of a letdown yeah. episode 13 sorry but um, I mean for the 12th 13th of it um, very oh, very good great series very very good and I'm looking forward to next year with the introduction of uh, Frank Castle aka The Punisher he uh, needs his own series <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm expecting uh, mafia heads to explode uh, from about 300 metres so it'd be good it'd be good and uh, looking forward to watch over the uh, well, summer holidays here uh, there's a um, an ITV series called The Sandbaggers, which I've uh, got my hands on. Uh, 70s style British espionage, which would be good. Which would be good. And of course, Star Wars in a week or two's time. Midnight. Mid- oh, Christ, Midnight. Okay. You think Midnight? Midnight? Yeah, we are. Rob, Rob and I are. And, and another friend. Mm. Yes. God. Had I not been in the UK, I would have joined you, but unfortunately. And, and, not, and not his girlfriend. <laughs> uh, yes. Merry Christmas. Richard, what have you watched ever something? I rewatched a lot of Daredevil, so like Rob, I've recently just finished that. You can watch series nine, or eight, or seven, or, or, or six, or, or not. I still have to catch up, and this will probably be my summer watching. I still have to catch up with the Flash, and I figure I've got a chance now because I think they're about, uh, they have just or just about to go into their. their yeah, they've, they've just had the Arrow crossover, and then they're <clears throat> mid, 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 mid series cross. Um, just with that, there's a girl in Arrow who, always, when she makes an appearance, her shirt comes off. The blonde girl. Felicity Smoke. Yeah, mm. sh- every time I've seen her in the Flash, her shirt comes off. Did we not notice that? No. In one episode, it catches fire because Barry. Is that like it? every time Robbie Amell turns up in the Flash, his shirt comes off. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, I had noticed. Yes. Oh, you had noticed. <laughs> okay, so I'm not, I'm not uh, Robinson Crusoe on this one. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I just thought it was a bit creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Very creepy. Go on. Anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so I've got the Flash to, to catch up with. Uh, talking about Daredevil, I, I've also got Jessica Jones to look at. Um, I haven't watched any of that yet. Um, I also have, yes, the, the Man in the High Castle to look at. Been watching some of uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead, which um, I'll give that probably another couple of episodes to see where that goes. That's that's kind of fun. Um, I mean, look, it, it hinges on, on Bruce Campbell, mm. and if you're not a Bruce Campbell fan, you, you're going to get absolutely nothing out of it. Bruce Campbell appears as Ronald Reagan in the latest series of Fargo. Really? Yeah, it's set in 79. Fargo is actually a good series for people to get into as well. It's very, very good. I've heard that. It's on very, very it's, on, it's on a very long list of shows I'd love to watch yes. if, ever, if ever I become unemployed suddenly. Yes. It's quirky and it's brutal and it's it's excellent storytelling. I acquired some time ago and I haven't, I'm yet to watch. Uh, there was a series of Eccleston in it called Safe House. Mm. Um, which is, he's a, a, again, dark, angry, disturbed policeman. Uh, who's assigned to a protection detail. That's part of the course for Christopher, isn't it? Yep. Um, so I've got that to watch as well. Uh, I, I have actually, harking back a little bit, I've actually now acquired and watched some of Home for Australian uh, 80s Whoa. people. 
Uh, the VHS, right? Yeah. Uh, the VHS reps. Yeah. Um, I have about half the series. It was interesting watching it again. Memory checks. Is is this like a 42 to Doomsday arc over this year? Like, J.R. comes on and you suddenly mention Home and then you come on later in the year and you mention Home a bit more and now you go, is this an arc? It is, I think. Oh, well, now well, actually, well, well, it's an arc of infinity. Your, your first 42 to Doomsday arc. Um, it is. And, and look, it was, as I said, it was interesting watching it again because it, it's broken up. As good as Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. Um, it's, it's broken up. Like, they, they have different groups of kids and they focus on in each block of stories uh, or each block of episodes. I mean, you go through the original kids and how they wind up in the kids' home and then you move to a different group of kids. They're young actors, so it's it's variable shall Patchy. we say yeah <laughs> on level of 1 to 10 in Maisie uh, <laughs> 5 Maisies out of 10 yeah. <laughs> 5 planks so, out of 10 so no that was because that that was a series I remember very much enjoying when I was probably a, a young teenager so that was on here I think and I did actually screen it screened in England and it also screened in Canada so uh, there may be maybe Radio Free Scarrows listen to it yeah maybe there, maybe there are people out there who remember it but uh, it, it is to them what Degrassi is for us Mm. Yeah, maybe. So no, it was that was that was a big part of my. I've, I've also got uh, recently picked up Sweet and Sour as well. So ah, very uh, good. Yeah, so I've actually got that to watch as well. Again. Are they DVD rips or what are they? VHS rips? No, that's never been watched on DVD. YouTube? Uh, no, they're, again, they'd be VHS rips. Because ah. uh, again, they've never actually uh, they've never actually released either of them on on, on any form of media. But the music they did, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, their their argument is whose argument? The ABCs, because the ABC will con- have constantly been, asked, particularly for Sweet and Sour, have mm. been asked continually, "Why won't you release it?" Because they re-release the albums, because mm. there were two albums, yes. and they re-release them. And the problem, I think, with Sweet and Sour is, is it's money, because not it's only do money. they have to pay the people who performed in the show, they've actually got to because it was a. For anyone who doesn't know, Sweet and Sour was a, a series about a young, up up and coming or struggling band in in Sydney in the early eighties. And they break up, basically. It follows their, their progression to, to starting to get gigs and they break up just as they're about to actually become successful. Because they have to pay the, the people who acted in it, the, the people who were actually the real band behind the, the scenes, because none of the... the was Deborah act- Conway the singer? Uh, Deborah Conway was the lead singer oh. and one of the guys from Gang of Jang, I think, was the lead male singer. Oh. Um, that, that's obscure as it gets. Plus, we're Aust- deep in the weeds yeah. now, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> this um, is Australia. Plus, yeah, plus, yeah. Well, actually, Ganga Jang, actually, piece of trivia, Ganga Jang actually formed from Sweet and Sour because the guys, the musos, they got in to, to do it. Hmm. Um, they obviously hit it off and, and thought they worked well together, so they actually formed a band. But uh, So you have to pay the people who were the real band, plus, of course, you've got to pay everyone to write all the songs, like Sharon O'Neill and, and all the other guys who wrote all the songs. So by the time, it's a bit like using the Daleks I guess by the time you've actually made all the royalty payments to people there's no money left That's it. I'm surprised the ABC actually kept it because didn't they wipe half of the oh, late they, show they, by the they, they may, look they may well have done and maybe that's a cover I mean look the, the copy I got were very clearly they're, they're 20 year old VHS who, who did they wipe? Oh, they wiped the Degeneration the late, late Show apparently they wiped some episodes of that so those compilations they put out on, on VHS and DVD apparently are the only master material left but surely uh, Working Dog has got their own copies. No, there wasn't Working Dog, though, I don't think. Was no, it? no, it was ABC. It was ABC, yeah. It was pre Working Dog. Yeah. So apparently on the DVD, I think they put extra sketches and I had to source them from VHS tapes. Phil, get on. Um, well, there is there is a story that the ABC archive holdings are actually very, very poor. There is an awful lot of stuff that, that, uh, that, that has been wiped. That well, in actual fact, and this all comes back to me, uh, those pair of the Daleks clips that I found... <laughs> still one up on you, Phil. <laughs> 
The episode that they were used for, the Cipher computer, part mm. of the perspectives, that was actually wiped. Right. And they retained the clips, the Power of the Daleks really? clips. So... So Cipher computer, which doesn't exist anymore, I don't think anything of the perspective series from the 70s. Apart from that insert. Apart from those inserts. Really? Which is very strange. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean, the only reason, I mean, if anyone who's an Australian and you watch Rage over the summer and they show those old countdown episodes, the only reason they've got most of them is because Molly Meldrum basically was, was lighting them in the back of his car and driving off with them. Some are. They've, they've, they've wiped a few, though. They've they? wiped a yeah. heap of them. Yeah. A lot of the really early ones don't exist anymore. And, and again, because he found out they were wiping them and basically started taking the tapes. Mm. That's um, what Terry Nation needed to do. Yeah, I'm surprised that... Just trying yeah. to get back to Doctor Who, I'm surprised that Nation didn't get his own copies. He bought copies of Dalek Invasion of Earth. I think he brought a couple of episodes of that, but like nothing from Dalek Masterplan, although they didn't really write it anyway. He didn't write it anyway, but... And I suppose he was a gay. He didn't like either of the Whittaker ones, because no. he discovered Whittaker could write the Daleks better than he could, so... <laughs> Escapes a danger. No, well, I think as we'll discover probably if, if and when we do our Black 7 cast, I mean, Terry's ideas are probably better, maybe, than some of Terry's actual execution. Mm-hmm. Execute, Terry, execute. So, that's it for your... Um, oh, yeah, I th- well, that's enough. I've taken up enough time. Okay, very good. And uh, just to wind it up then, I suppose, before we say thank you to a lot of people, what are we looking forward to for next year with regards to Doctor Who? Well, I guess if we're working that there's no series, maybe some more missing episode returns? Maybe the end of the Omni rumour once and for all? Yes, I think I'm looking forward to that more than anything else. I've got a couple of predictions. Oh, predictions. Let's go. Purely based on absolutely nothing. I reckon that 2016 we will see the announcement of Capaldi leaving. Ooh. And they will, in the way they do, they will stretch it out. So they'll announce this will be his last series coming whenever we see it. They'll see it then, then they'll drag out the who's going to be the new actor. They'll do the live thing. So I think I think we'll see the start of that process. We've got to go through a new companion first, presumably. That was my next thing. So, but I, I think we'll see the start of the process of Capaldi moving on early because they'll milk that for all it's worth. Uh, my prediction is that they're going to go for two companions. I reckon they'll go for a female and a male in the Ben and Polly mode, but so they don't have the sexual tension between them, it'll be a gay male companion. Oh. And that'll be the, something new and different that they're thinking about. Well, that's bold. Well, I'm not, I can't say it's bold. It's, the, it's 2015, so... Yeah. So, based on absolutely nothing, they're my two predictions, and if we're still talking to each other in a year's time, <laughs> we can see if I was remotely right. And Mark... I'm hoping for a full run of episodes uh, next year. I doubt I'm going to get them, but you know, while there's life, there's hope. More missing episodes returns as well. Well, really, yeah. just the end of the Omni rumor, surely. Take I mean, even if it's or, or the beginning of the new Omni rumor. Oh. Yeah, well, actually, now that thing with that hoax, it was on <laughs> the uh, the other day, and didn't someone comment? We must know the Omni rumor's dead because now we're getting hoaxes again. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's back to good old-fashioned hoaxing. The burger van has rolled. Was this that one again. from Australia? Uh, was no, the guy who said he bought all the, the, oh, the films and Scotland. Then, yes. from Scotland. Scotland. Uh, it was Scotland Scottish and, and he sent them to the BBC but he didn't know what they'd done with them and he didn't have any copies or any documentation he, I think clearly the Omni Rumour sent him mad because there's no other reason <laughs> for doing that other than he snapped I, I did love though I love the idea that everybody had scoured the Middle East and Africa and Asia but forgot Scotland <laughs> <laughs> I love that as a concept. So it was a shed in the outer Hebrides. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think the only thing I found in Scotland was that black and uh, colour copy of the Goodies Come Dancing episode, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Yes, that's it. I think yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, I hope because Cabaldi doesn't go in 2016, personally. Oh, I don't want him to go. No. I just think that he will. You're supposed to say, I don't want to go. 
No, I'll, leave I'll, 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 I'll leave that to you, Mark. Thank you. You know, it's got, you've got to be tearing up. Isn't it? <laughs> I don't want to go. Peace and goodwill to all mankind. And Stephen Moffat. Yeah. So that's, uh, I don't know, my wish list. I'm slightly nervous about the Christmas special. I might not watch the Christmas special this year. I think I, I, I've got, no, I've got no hopes or well, dreams for it. When you wake up on Boxing Day morning, I'll be able to tell you if it was any good. That'll be sufficient for me. And describe it in one year. word. Okay, I'll send you a one word tweet. That'd just be a long scream. No! <laughs> 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 there you go. What's your predictions, Rob? What's your hopes? No, well, what's my your hopes was the Omni Room will finish. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Okay. okay. We've had a big year this year, actually, haven't we, Rob? We have had a big year. We've had a lot of guests on. We've had a plethora. A plethora of guests, so we'll go through them. Uh, not literally. But <laughs> I'd like to thank Rob Lloyd. Thank you, Rob. Uh, Richard Marsden. Thank you, Richard. Dave Hoskin. Dave. He'll be back next year. Hopefully flourishing a very interesting book. We're happy to proofread. Andrew Smith. Andy. Uh, Paul Schoons. The Schooner. <laughs> John O from Zeus Pod. I got nothing. John O. <laughs> John Preddle. Preds. J.R. Southall, Simon, Mark and Lee from the Blue Box podcast. Doc Hume and the Diddly Dummers. Rob Irwin and uh, everybody else who's tweeted us and sent letters to us. A couple of uh, other thank yous as well uh, to our esteemed guests, Richard and Dave. Uh, thank you for your uh, continued feedback and support during the year, especially Dave in terms of us reading our letters. And also I'd like to thank uh, my co-host Rob, who without whom I just can't exist. <laughs> <laughs> you, com- you complete me. Yeah. I, apparently, I complete you. Home, home, home's to his Hinchcliffe. Yeah. <laughs> You've always been my Rob. No, thank you, Rob. It's been an absolute pleasure this year co hosting with you, editing this beast every two weeks. I think we're done. But uh, we look forward to the planning session in January. The guys are going to contribute some money for the chicken skewers. So, uh, a lot of Patreon account for the chicken skewers. Yeah, how's that looking at the moment? Uh, the cupboard's bare. So. Again, full <laughs> <Just, laughs> rattle the tin over Christmas. Patreon account to fund our, fund our recording pizzas. Yeah, no, uh, thank you, Rob. It's been great this year, and look forward to uh, whatever next year brings. Well, hopefully on sixteen millimeter. Oh yeah, <laughs> that'll be lovely. With the words "power of the Daleks," power of the skewers. Power of the uh, your turn, Rob. Well, I'd like to thank everyone who's been on, uh, all the people that uh, uh, Mark mentioned before. Uh, it's great actually having people that you could chat to about Doctor Who from far-flung places. I'd especially like to thank uh, Richard and Dave, Dave for hosting uh, us uh, during the year, but also for their input during the year coming on. Um, it's always a great deal of fun to have different insights, and I'm being serious, they're nodding at each other and smirking. <laughs> but no, it's great. I mean, I've known them for 20 years, and it's, it's good to share this sort of thing uh, uh, on the show, I'd like to thank my wife and my kids for putting up with me uh, on the Sunday evening when I'm recording. Sometimes you'll hear the hairdryer in the background. That's my wife doing the kids' hair after they have a bath. Uh, and you know, for my wife for uh, sort of putting up with me when I'm doing uh, the editing and late nights and all that. But I'd especially like to thank Mark. Podcast wouldn't exist without Mark, uh, simply because uh, a one-man show is <laughs> infinitely boring. So a two-hander is always fun. So Mark, thank you very much for your uh, uh, well, just working with you all through the year. Thank you. No, it's been and, a uh, Merry Christmas to uh, the boys here. Hope Adam. you enjoy your trip overseas, Dave. Thank you. Yes. And uh, we'll um, we'll uh, come together again next year. We'll be back in 2016. Yes. Well, not 2017, I'm sure. So. Yes. Yes. We just got to work out what we're going to talk about. I'd actually just like to say, guys, look, I've had a blast coming on uh, the various times this year. It's Thank been a lot of fun. It. I really enjoy the podcast each time when they come out, and look, hoping to more of same next year. 
Yeah, look, likewise, thank you for allowing me to join the Graham and the Colonel of Australian Doctor Who podcasting. Um, it's all... Sunny shirt, like a tiger. <laughs> no, look, it's in, in this day and age of Australian fandom, it's good to have this opportunity just, just to chat. And the reason why I like your guys' podcast is because you do just chat. It's been a pleasure to join you uh, in that, and hopefully we'll do it again one day. And, of course, a very Merry Christmas to all of you at home. You got a hard little voice that you can do? Oh, that might be pushing it. I can do Jane T here. <clears throat> I can do Jane T. I used to pray in my prayers by the bedside every night that Mary Whitehouse had watched the program and didn't like it because it automatically put two million viewers onto the ratings. Gary, take me. <laughs> I, I thought. <laughs> I thought given the way that we started this podcast, you're going to end with you know, one of those, um, it has been put back by backsliding paper hyenas, our glorious podcast is going off the air. This is a lie. <laughs> so yes. And now walk in the Black Forest. Yeah, so now walk in the Black Forest. So yes, uh, thank you to everyone who's listened and contributed. Uh, it's always good to get that feedback. And uh, Mark and I will come back after a uh, Christmas hiatus. Don't mention the word hiatus. In 2016, so we uh, look forward to speaking to you again then. I've been Mark. I've been Dave. I've been Richard. And I've been Rob. And just like Peter Capaldi, keep punching! I wish to be your friend. Please, may I have some more rum pudding and custard. I'm gonna spend my Christmas with a darling. Merry Christmas, 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 Merry